Welcome to this week's episode and or this month's episode and hopefully the start of 2021 which is going to be a brand new year for lots of us um, and hopefully we can just get rid of 2020. Um, this is a tiny little bit of an admin uh, quick conversation to say that after this episode I will be taking a short pause mainly because I've got a PhD, a book, some journal articles and work with Gamers Beat Cancer all happening all at once. And of course, this taps into my time, which, you know, right now is very, very precious. Uh, so what I ended up doing was um, asking the two people that I'm about to speak to to come on and have a conversation with me today, mainly because this is um, something that's very, very close to my heart, very, very uh, important. It's something that I'm really, 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 really pleased to be involved with. Um, so I'm going to start the episode with talking about who the people are and what they do and why they do and we're just going to get into this conversation. Um, it's going to be a little bit like the conversation we had earlier the, in 2020 around EGX which was done virtually this year because everything was. Um, so I'm joined by Stephen Bracewell who is the founder of Gamers Beat Cancer and Ben Nichols who's the LGBTQTI uh, communities manager and of course myself uh, who is involved as the uh, mental health advisor so welcome to both of you and I am really pleased to be doing this we said we'd do it a while ago no, we did. and yep. for those of you listening in audio Stephen is currently sitting in hospital and mm -hmm. we're going to talk about why we're now doing the episode um, as a matter of urgency before Christmas um so let's start with you steve right how yeah. did we get here how did we get here well first of all uh, i'm a, an aml survivor which is acute myeloid leukemia uh which is a genetic disease of the bone marrow um i was diagnosed in march 2019 on the 9th which i won't forget very very much um Came out of the blue, came as a complete shock. My life was tipped upside down, didn't know left from right, up from down. It was just chaos. Um, I've always been a video gamer. I've been a video gamer since I was 11. Um, helped me through a lot of childhood bullying. Mm -hmm. um, helped me deal with just, I suppose, life as in general and a form of escapism at the time. Um, but with the cancer diagnosis, that was a real game changer for me. Um, I decided that on the day, you know, I needed a way to stay in touch with my friends. And in hospital, it's very hard because the rooms aren't the best in the world. Mm -hmm. um, the connectivity is rubbish. It, when you're in here for five months, you know, even though you might go home for two weeks, it's an extremely long haul in between as well. <coughs> so mm -hmm. what I wanted to do was try and find a way to sort of disperse my frustration of my cancer um, and find a way to connect people and then one of the largest things that connect people together really nowadays is video games uh -huh. it's now the largest industry on the planet it's larger than the film industry well it is now yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many stories behind it um, and it's just the whole geek culture and embracing that culture and there's no discrimination there's warmth and compassion amongst people so, originally, I thought about a game called Gamers Beat Cancer. I kind of got a bit of a concept from something over in America, which was being done called Game Changer. Um, they predominantly focus on children, uh, paediatrics. 
which is great. But the one thing that I did notice had become a booking trend all over the place was that a lot of gaming charities are focused primarily towards the kids and teens. And to me, that, don't want to be outspoken, but feels a bit ageism. I'm 46. Um, To give you an idea, I actually hang out with a guy on Tuesday nights when I'm at home on Xbox. We play Destiny 2, and he's 80 years old. And he plays games as (laughs) well. So... You like, like the mention for that one, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all this stigma about age has an age, you know, gaming is an age, but there's no such thing. You're never too old to play a game. So at the time, the original concept for Gamers Beat Cancel was going to be a forum. It was going to be a simple website where um, people could get together, talk about the love of tech, talk about the love of gaming, talk with cancer patients and caregivers from all over the world. And, you know, just sort of a friendly sort of, hi, how are you doing? What you've been playing and what's going on? And that mm-hmm. was kind of it. And then I kind of came up with this idea, it'd be nice to start gifting consoles to people, like in hospices and hospitals where possible and families and help them out. And this is how I met Ben. Um, ben will go on to obviously tell you his story about Paul and everything and how we kind of met. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, that kind of grew. And then obviously I got to, know, got to know Susanna through Pete Martin because my original background, I was a record producer, uh, remix from DJ for best part of 20 years. And I, originally I had loads of different ideas at the time. And then uh, the original idea was we were going to bring back the Hitman and Her as a TV show originally. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Gamers Beat Council was just going to be a, like, a little pet project. And then the more I thought about it and the more I looked at it and the more I developed this idea, and then I found that, because when I came up, I started playing a lot of rhythm games. And the rhythm games helped repair my pathways because of the damage from the chemotherapy. And I thought, this really works. And the fact is that when I was in hospital, I was playing on my Nintendo Switch. Um, and I could play online. I could play Mario Kart with the NHS Wi-Fi as best as possible when it didn't drop out. <laughs> Yeah, carrier pigeon smoke signals might have been quicker for me. I think semaphore. Semaphore, yeah, that worked. Yeah, semaphore, we'll do semaphore. So that's where I kind of got up to with this. And I think it was sort of like, it was a hard five months. Mentally, it was torture. It was very, very isolated. Debbie used to come and see me, but all we could talk about was the big C. Yeah. That's all, it was always about the elephant in the room. We couldn't talk about anything else. You know, and, and through Gamers Beat Cancer, Debbie, my wife's now got into gaming as well. Do you know what I mean? So I can ask her if she's been doing on State of Decay and things like that. And mm-hmm. we still talk about my health and everything, um, but it's great. And then obviously through Susanna, I met you, and then I met Gary. And then, as you know, the team's grown quite exponentially. You know, I mean, rather than trying to sit here and go through everybody, I think the best thing would be to say, just go to the website, www.gamersbeatcancer.co.uk, and it's all there. And then I want to design, when COVID hit for me, because obviously I came out of hospital, uh, end of treatments in remission in August. Mm-hmm. I had six months to start developing things and um, putting things together. And then COVID hit and then my life was taken away. So I had to shelter again. So once again, I was beca- I swapped a prison hospital for a home hospital you know what I mean? it was, for, it's yeah. like a day release prison isn't it yeah it was a day release yeah, yeah so, you get to go you get to go walk outside for an hour and that's it so i ended up um, being in another fortress of solitude like superman yeah 
Um, but video games helped me. Animal Crossing saved my life. That might be a hashtag that we put out on this. Yeah, Animal Crossing saved my life. Um, because, as you know, um, I, made, I made a friend in here, and me and Faye, we became very, very close with our, our cancers. And, yeah. and then I've joined other cancer support groups and all these other cancer support groups and charities, and I've talked about the work that we're doing and the vision that we're building. And they're all like going, this is just so now. It's so relevant, but it's also mm. the future. Mm-hmm. The future of where charities need to be. We need to find a new way of doing things. And when I saw COVID come along and as, and I watched all these awful deaths climb and everything else, and everybody's all about wealth of before health and all this, and then there's a sense of community spirit coming now. And it's just, look, look, guys, we've got the big reset button here. We could help create a better dystopian future for everybody if we just start to work together a bit more. Yeah. And what I've tried to do is align cancer charities together to make them realize that working together sometimes on projects is stronger than trying to be working as an individual. And mm-hmm. it's definitely the feedback that we're getting now. And, you know, the fact is that we're supported by Blood Cancer UK, who's very close to my own heart because of my current situation. Then all the other networks that we work with, like Shine, which is Young Cancer Groups, and the fact is that we're getting emails in now from people saying we want to register for the gift of gaming. But another part of Gamers Beat Cancer was very important in its makeup was that I also wanted it not just to be about all the new gear, but also as well be environmentally responsible because I think we have to be responsible yeah, for the yeah, company yeah, yeah. living. Mm, yeah, so definitely. The, the idea of being able to give our older consoles, some families don't care. I mean, if you read on the website, there's a, there's a young child called Lorenzo. They got a Nintendo Wii. They play just dance together. It, and we're talking what? 20, what, 10, 15 year old? Mm-hmm. And, yep. You know, so it just goes to prove that this technology does not need to end up in those sites that you see in India and all those big tech piles just of rubbish floating near the Ganges. Yeah. A lot of this technology can be repurposed. And I think corporations and large corporations should look at more and more of how, rather than saying, oh, well, we've got all this end livestock, we'll never sell it, it's just going to sit in a warehouse. What's the point? Mm-hmm. It's the write-off. You're never going to make any money in it, so why don't you give it to an organisation that can actually help cancer patients and the caregivers and yeah. bring in this gift of gaming? Because Oculus Go is now dead and buried. I can guarantee you somewhere in a warehouse in England, there'll be 2,000 Oculus Go's, no market value on them, complete dead stock. Well, to us, to a person in hospital, a VR headset is a life send. Yeah, and we will certainly get round to talking about that because we know that that's the little the little kind of pet project that um, I'm... I'm <laughs> really focused on but I'm thinking actually that might lead nicely into uh maybe having Ben talk about his story because yes. that's where that's where the VR idea was was where we were talking about um so I'm just gonna kind of veer over yeah. towards Ben <laughs> without giving it it's almost like I don't want to give the game away but you know um so Ben would you like to kind of uh introduce yourself in terms of how you became involved in Gamers Beat Cancer. Mm-hmm. Why you're, why you're here? You know the co- conversations that we have in terms of, yeah, what what is missing as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so thank you for having me, Kath. Uh, nice, to, nice to be here. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> um, so, we got it sorted. Yeah, we eventually got it sorted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been on talks for about two or three months, hasn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah. but we keep we keep meeting and gaming. So you we know, do. That goes, that, do. there's there's other things. <laughs> I'm talking about other things and then not sorting this out. And you yeah. know, anyway, we're yeah. here. And life gets in the way. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so I um, going back around about to 2017. 
Uh, so my, I, I'm not a cancer survivor myself. Um, my husband's Paul, um, we weren't married at the time, um, had from about early 2017 had, and he was 32, 33 at the time, 33. Um, he had um, sort of like, he felt like he had acid reflux constantly. Went to the doctors, doctors saw his age, early 30s, and like, oh no, it's just it's just acid reflux, go away with some tablets, come back in a bit. <laughs> Those didn't help. And a few months later, stopped constantly calling the doctors, eventually got in, had an um, endoscope down his throat to figure out what was happening, found a growth, and this was the end of July 2017. Um, two weeks later, went to see the oncologist um, in Huddersfield and um, started chemotherapy pretty much straight away. Um, the stage that he was at, because um, esophageal cancer kind of with what he was diagnosed with, presents itself differently. So it, it, it presents itself as um, acid reflux and you end up having heartburn sensations and things. You don't often feel you're having that situation. So his cancer, because of what it was, right. his age, was caught quite late on. So he was at stage 4A, which means it spread to other areas in his body. Um, the way that it was kind of described to us was it was like a, a cuckoo clock where you uh, blow it and the seeds kind of go spreading and they just land wherever. Um, yeah. Then one of the things that Paul wanted to do, um, he kind of like went through his bucket list at the time and he said, I want to get married put down the date for the 23rd of December 2017 to get married at Holdsworth House, which is a beautiful location. It was all done for Christmas. Absolutely stunning. Um, so we booked that in. Um, throughout this time, Paul was going on chemotherapy. Um, Paul was a big gamer. I've been a big gamer since uh, probably like that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, back when my uh, I got my brother's Commodore sixty four, so that was uh, with about three hundred tapes. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Loved Whiz Ball was my joy at, at nine nine years old. Whiz Ball was fantastic. Anyways, um, and throughout all this, I had my three DS and Pokemon saved my sanity <laughs> so animal crossing saved my life pokemon saved my sanity um mm -hmm. so throughout the chemotherapy i was there to support paul while he was while he was going through what he was going through with he was playing on fifa he was playing on fallout at the time to kind of distract himself i was i had to be there for paul but also had to be there for me so distraction for me was really important. I needed some some escape from what was going on. So I made sure that I had that time to myself. And mm -hmm. video games was that time to myself. Big RPGs is where I kind of like, I like to spend my time. So I spent my time in Pokemon. I spent my time in, I can't honestly remember. Um, Bravely Default, that was the big one I spent my time on. It, 21st of December came around um, and we went, uh, Paul was having severe problems with his hip at the time um, to the point where they thought, the doctors thought it was sciatica. So again, more tablets go away, come back. It still wasn't helping. So he had a full body scan uh, to figure out what was happening. Cancer spread to his hip and his brain. 
two days before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, had to tell, um, I wasn't able to drive at the time. I didn't pass my test. Uh, so Paul's parents had to come pick him up and we had to tell them that night that we were told that he had didn't have three months to live. Mm. Um, so obviously everyone cried. Everyone got really upset. I got really upset. I'm getting a bit choked up a little bit now thinking no, about I, it. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Um, still went ahead with the wedding um, and made it kind of like secretly Paul's farewell party to all family and friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, had to basically put on a straight face, Yeah. be really happy. In my way, it was my farewell to Paul as well. Um, so we had the wedding. Two days later, um, on the eve of Christmas Day, he got uh, really sick. Boxing Day, he was rushed on to hospital. Um, things were escalating really quickly, really rapidly. Um, 4th of January came home. I think it was 4th, I think. Uh, early January came home. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent a week at home, then went to Overgate Hospice. Um, to And then passed away on the 19th of January, 2018. Um, so that's why, so throughout all this time, I saw the person I loved, the person I cared about deeply, yeah. the person I was expecting to, at this point, me in my early thirties, expecting to at this point to spend the rest of my life with. And I made that commitment to spend my yeah. life with. And essentially that whole, that whole, that whole idea was ripped away from me. Yeah. And I needed the, the video games has always been my escape. Yeah. It's always been my escape. I, back in December, 20, uh, 26th of December, 2015, um, as with a lot of people down in Calderdale, my house got flooded. Um, so I spent my entire time, again, in Pokemon. Um cool. I managed to get every Pokemon up to the generation that was released at the time. I think it was the XY generation. Um, and I've still kept up with that now. So I've still got uh, still got some things to do on Shield, Sword and Shield. But um, <laughs> video games at that point really helped me maintain my sanity. It allowed my consciousness to kind of, my conscious mind to kind of go into these worlds while my subconscious dealt with any trauma that I, I had gone through. Yeah. And it was the same with Paul as well. So I had to distract myself so I could deal with the issues. So when Paul was on his deathbed kind of talking about, he went through, because um, it affected his brain, he was hallucinating. Yeah. And one of the things he was hallucinating was the fact he was being interrogated by Donald Trump. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I was sat there playing on Bravely Default on my 3DS just waiting for him to ask me to do something. And then he'd start along with these weird, you know, weird hallucinations kind of going on. Um, and the video games kind of helped me cope with that. Not just watching somebody I love pass away slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gave me a place to go to where I could be happy in a way. Because at that point... Place. It was, it was a safe place. It was a safe, comfortable bubble I could go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when after he passed away, I had time off work. I had about three, four months off work. because so I was just like, 
I, I just needed time to, Brief, to, yeah. to become human again, become feel like myself, be, discover who I am without Paul. We were together for eight and a half oh. years. Um, yeah. And I needed to understand who I was again. So in order to do that, I then went to video games again. I completed, oh God, what did I complete? I completed Spider-Man. I completed Persona, I think, or one of the Personas. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, Until Dawn, I had my friend come around who was supporting me throughout this and we played uh, Until Dawn and we just basically passed the controller between us when it switched character perspectives. Um, I, oh, I yeah, I bought uh, PlayStation VR, I bought Switch, I bought um, loads of things just to, Help me help distract me basically about what was what was happening. Um, eventually, I went to work and tried to get back to normality. Um, I now have another partner. Um, happy now, um, but as with anybody who's lost anybody, they, I kind of still have those moments where I'm like, I miss this person. Yeah, yeah. I completely miss this person. Um, how I got involved with Games Beat Cancer is. It was kind of a lead on from this. I was um, basically clearing out the attic. So I was planning on uh, selling the house that I'd bought with Paul uh, and starting life, moving forward with my life with Mike, who's my current partner, um, and selling the current house to help move forward and buy another house. Um, clearing out the attic, and I found Paul's games consoles and some of my games consoles. And I was like, what on earth do I do with this? I don't want to throw them away. Um, if we're given to charity, they're only going to be, um, you know, sold for pennies, basically. I mean, they need money, which is fair enough. They need to sell consoles or sell whatever they've donated. But mm -hmm. I wanted them to be of use to someone else and help them deal with what I went through or even what a cancer patient went through as well. Deal with that trauma, yeah. Yeah, deal with that trauma. Because essentially at the end of the day, and you, Kath, and myself talk about, talked about this before, that it is a trauma. Um and I found, yeah, and Mike met. I think he met Gary um, at a conference. Told me about what Games Beat Cancer was. Got in contact with Steve and dropped the consoles around. I think there was um, was it two Xbox 360s and a PlayStation Three, a Nintendo GameCube and a PS2, which is still yeah. on my shelf. Because <laughs> me, me and Ben, I asked Ben to help me design a plaque in memory of Paul. It's going to go on the shelf next to them, just to remind how it all started yeah yeah well I'm, I'm just thinking about people who are listening watching at this point in time that um i'm gonna have to write a, a trigger warning at the beginning of this um you know in terms of the text because actually this is as real as it gets yeah, this it is. is as real this is why we're doing what we're doing in terms of uh the gamers beat cancer because um steve you're going through it Ben, time, watch yeah. somebody go through it, and then we have we have you know the people that don't get through it. Mm. So this is about all of those stages, um, and of course, yes, my my role is around the the trauma stuff and and kind of the mental health around this because Jesus, ff bleep bleep yeah. bleep bleep bleep, this is ongoing and and in terms of where you are ben i'm not surprised it took and i'm not going to do therapy with you you know you can be rest assured i'm not doing that I, today therapize me bring me on i get i get it for free so it's good <laughs> but there's something about this is still so raw for you it's still it's still it's, it's still, really I still get choked up i can still yeah. i can talk about it better than i used to be able to i've been through therapy as well for it yeah um i needed to there was a situation when i was um going back october two years ago 
and no, I don't know if you know about Northbridge in Halifax. Um, it's basically a suicide hotspot. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not um, usually it's not usually called that though. But we're we're not going to do that here. We'll, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that that's what I know it as. Anyways, that's yeah. That's what we told us. Anyway, so I um, I was walking to work and I walked past that point, and the police hadn't done a very good job at covering up the the victim that was there. Um, and it set me off again, completely set me off again. And I had to escape completely. So I had to go through therapy. So I own, it is trauma. It's going to come mm-hmm. back. Yeah. It's going to, it's, it's going to, it might hit me in different ways. It really will do. Um, I can talk about it better now because as I said, I've been through therapy and it's been, um, it's been nearly three years now since yeah, uh, Paul I mean, passed I, away. I, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I mean, sorry, I've been in therapy for about a year now. Um, and it has helped me so much, but not just that. I think for me, my therapy has been gamers beat cancer as well. It is an extension mm. of me, and this is my therapy. This is me being able to deal with this. I know I'm going through a second cancer again, getting ready for a bone marrow transplant, but because I've got the coping skills and the mechanisms now, and my psyche is in the right place, I'm able to do this. I think the first time when it hits you, it's a sledgehammer. I mean, I actually actually worked all the way through my chemo last year because I had to hold down a day job. So I had to hold down a day job remotely whilst fighting cancer, mm. whilst trying to live in isolation. I mean, that is just layer upon layer. Yeah, can we, been, can we focus I'm, on that, Steve? Because you and I have had, and I'm just thinking here, let's use this as a platform for actually how sometimes I'm going to use a what's called a critical parent phrase, how despicable it is in terms of the um, funding, in terms of the support, the fact that, you know, if you hadn't have worked, not only would you have been dealing with cancer in a hospital, there's a good chance that your wife may well not have had somewhere to live because if you didn't have a job, you wouldn't have had a home. Correct, because because the benefit systems, it's so hard. And I mean, the one conversation I always find interesting is that when you get cancer, the first thing that goes out of your pocket is money. But it's money after money after money after money. Even yeah. though we have a free healthcare yeah. system, the costs still rack up, the bills aren't paying. If you're only getting statutory sick pay, you've had it. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't get benefits it. if you're on statutory sick pay. No, yeah. and then you've, got, then you've got to battle for PIP if you haven't already got it. Mm-hmm. Then you yeah. have to battle for disability. Yeah. But, then you, but then you get some guy who goes out on a Saturday night, drunk, falls over, breaks his leg, and gets everything he needs. Mm-hmm. And you get, a cancer, you get some cancer patients... They have to fight so hard, but they shouldn't have to be fighting. They're fighting cancer. They're they're having to deal with the trauma of what they're going through and having to deal with the trauma of, okay, they're not going to be able to, yeah, what are they going to survive to be able to get to? Well, yeah, that, that's yeah. actually Ben. That's that's the thing that we're aiming at, isn't it? Is this this word trauma actually in in these circumstances? I'm going to say it as it is. Really, uh, you're being told you're going to die because that's all anybody hears with mm-hmm. the word cancer. So actually, that's what you're fighting. And then there's this thing about um, and exactly Ben. Where where is the future if you're fighting dying now? Mm-hmm. And there's all of that other stuff that you've got to do. And, yeah. and you know, I know that this probably isn't about um, us having a rant about the, the systems no. that are out there. But actually, there is a whole heap of truth about this, this. this is why these games are so important. This is yeah. why that moment to be able to manage is mm-hmm. about having your psyche in different places at different times. So you called I, it like your unconscious. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not just that. The, the, the gift of gaming is a simple concept. 
you remember growing up as a child, your auntie would come round or whoever, one of your relatives, and you're feeling a bit sick. You bring your little present. It didn't matter what it was, insignificant. You felt better. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. that one person was thinking about you. And that is the whole point of the gift of gaming. Giving yeah. a present to somebody to make them feel better. Yeah. As you, as you said, Steve, the, the money is a big issue with a lot of people going through cancer. And chances are they haven't got the means to buy that escapism. Yeah, exactly. They haven't got the means to fund that escapism. So having, yeah. yeah, they don't have anything. Um, they, they might do. They might be able to, they might have consoles already, which is where they'd need more games for those consoles. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, they might need subscriptions um, yeah. to things like Game Pass, which yeah. would allow them to have those yeah, those games and an, and or so let's do an and 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 or no, and, yep. and or plus because <laughs> yeah. actually the reason Steve can talk to us tonight is because actually he's being supported to do it because I know you joked about the Wi-Fi but actually it's a real serious issue. Yeah, it is. If you want a game, you need to not lag. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've been I've been lucky because I mentioned a couple of my videos on the video diaries and the Facebook that. Yonder Cloud have been absolutely brilliant. Kevin uh, Smith is one of our sponsors. Uh-huh. The guy's an amazing guy. He runs data centers, and he heard I was going back into hospital. Um, it was a guy who gave me an Oculus Go to help me meditate and obviously to use in the organization. But he said, look, Steve, let me get your internet sorted for you. And out of his own company's expense, has supplied me with unlimited 4G broadband at about 40 megabytes per second. That's awesome. Um- I would like to say it shouldn't be down to an organisation. This this should be standard, standard. For going into mm-hmm. hospital. This should well, be standard for people receiving treatment. This, yeah. you know, we need to we need to up our game in terms of providing better connectivity without the um, without the, without yeah. the issues that come with it. I mean, the reason Steve's had to have this four G connector is that the Wi Fi in the hospitals is frankly crap. <laughs> it's rubbish. Yeah. I mean. I, I kind of like I know it's not cancer ward, but if you I went and saw my grandma who was in the hospital a few back in January with sepsis. Um I looked at the ward itself and basically it was just eight beds all lined up next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um she couldn't plug in a phone, she couldn't plug in um anything to entertain her, she couldn't get out of bed to go look for books. Yeah. The only television was a like a small little 20-inch TV on oh, the other yeah, side yeah. of the ward from her. If cancer patients have that, there's no hope at all. There is literally no hope for them no. I to mean, get. It, yeah, it, I mean, I mean, in my room, I've highlighted the plight that the fact is that at the minute it's a 30-inch TV in a very big room with a small fridge, which the doctors and nurses had to raise money for. Aren't the doctors and nurses supposed to be trying to save us than trying to raise money for a TV? Yeah, and how many cancer patients get a room uh-huh. with a TV for a start? Not this ward is quite lucky. Other wards have patient line, and that costs them five pounds a day for a thing to internet and TV. Rubbish, rubbish. If you give somebody a, a Nintendo Switch, for example, yeah, or a gaming tablet or something. I yeah. mean, gaming tablets would be great because it allows people to connect with their family as well. Yeah, but something to help them distract them from yeah. that situation. Yeah. When all they've got to stare at is like four, you know, seven other people which are going through yeah. exactly the same thing. You're, you're staring death in the face and you've got no, no way but look at other people staring death in the face. Well, I, 
actually, Ben, that brings us to the, I'll, what I will do for those those that are kind of watching. We talked about this in terms of your your husband facing the ceiling, didn't didn't you? In terms of uh, what is there on the ceiling? Yeah. You pick exactly. up, and I'm just holding my um, small Oculus Go here. Yeah. If you were able, as the patient, never mind about the person in there as well, mm -hmm. to you know pop on your Oculus or pop on what will be. I mean, uh, the HTC Vive is quite big and. The PlayStation One is certainly not meant for, yes, not meant for portability. But there's an idea of where technology is going at the minute and why these are so important. This this kind of intervention would be amazing for the people who are incarcerated or, or you know, imagine that they've had an operation and they're on their back and can't move. And you know, it's it's about that that level of distraction, escapism, um, mm -hmm. otherness. And I'm just thinking about other what you talked about in terms of your consciousness and the way that you managed. Yeah. Because actually, that's what we need to do. Sometimes we need to, in, in inverted commas, check out. We need to dissociate from what's going on. We need and that. And of course, yeah. this, is, this is what we're talking about. So I'm thinking, for those that are listening, go back and listen to the conversation that I had with Johnny about his son, who was dying of a brain tumour. Go back and listen to the conversations I've had with most most of the people are from the US about gaming for good. Because I went on a bit of a rant, I think, in season two, where I just interviewed people about gaming and the good of gaming. Actually, this is why this is why I'm interested in gaming, because I use it for trauma therapy for this this specific reason. I feel like I'm on my soapbox again, so I'm just going to let you <laughs> do it. I'm going, I'm going. I'm... Put your sign up. Put your sign up. <laughs> Well, no, union, Cap, union. Cap's absolutely right because I mean, rather than look at these four walls, I could put a pair of you know my VR goggles on, and I could go to the Australian desert outback and wander around in the National Geographic video. Yeah, I could go and guess, visit Rome. I can go and visit anywhere I want in the world. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's kind of I've said to you to both of you before that yeah. you, it's Steve, you're completely isolated at certain points, and mm. you can't get out. I've known people before that have developed agoraphobia because they cannot go out. Mm. Um, I can't even go out after the bone marrow transplant. I've got to be so careful. And yeah. so you, you're limited by your experience. You're limited to those four walls you're constantly in. Mm. So actually having something that is able to take you somewhere else. Like our Tuesday night sessions. in, Like our Tuesday night sessions with, um, with uh, David, who's 80 years old. <laughs> I mean, yep. we, what I am going to do is allude to the science here. So, number one, I'm going back on my soapbox for 30 seconds. Number one, VR developers develop programs that can be used in these situations. We know, I know, I don't know about the we of us then, but there are there are certain organisations that are trying to do this for people in hospitals, you know, for relieving pain. Actually, what the science says is, and I, I can tell you this from... Um, my own work in and around eyes and the brain and, and how we work, especially near technology. If you're using technology, one of the things you need to be able to do is open your eyes up and look at a panoramic vision. How are you going mm -hmm. to do that in hospital? VR. So VR developers think about, you know, how you could potentially create something for people in a space. Um, and certainly in hospices, I don't see that the Wi-Fi would even be there or the plugs because they're not, they're not really developed for that. Um, but also, VR designers 
start creating smaller VR headsets that can be worn by these patients who may well have very delicate um, uh, skin vessels. They might mm -hmm. have very delicate kind of necks or be in a position that means they can't wear something heavy. I'm going off here about the technology is going to change and it needs to change really quickly. Yeah, yeah I definitely. Mean, I mean, for me, growing up as a child, I never thought in 2020 we'd have healthcare like this. I mean... You know, yeah. I would tell that you'd have a hospital where you have LCD panels around your room and you can be in a forest or you can be somewhere else. And we've none of that. And yet it's out there. The technology is there, but it's just not. It, it's being used as a consumerism and as a gimmick. And Games with Geek Cancer is about using this technology that we consider consumerism, being able to, able to enhance the lives of people. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, the fact is when I'm fatigued, I've got to press a buzzer to get out of bed. Wouldn't it be better if I had a little tablet I could turn my lights down, turn them off on a tablet, and mm -hmm. I'm controlling it. So I've got some control back, and I've also got to get a form of independency as well. Rather than have to rely on the nurses yeah. to do the smallest of things, there could be certain things that could be done. I mean, for example, somebody who may have lost their legs to cancer, a robotic vacuum cleaner is a gimmick to us. But to a person like that, it could clean the floors for them, and to them, it's a wonderful piece of technology. Yeah. And you can gamify anything, but I'm I'm thinking, Steve, that in in a hospital or, or hospice, you having that that what we call agency autonomy. Um, mm. There's also something about, and that frees up the nurse or whoever it is that's there to mm. do part of their job, which is to maintain the health of people, rather than coming in and turning a bloody light switch on and off. Mm. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, I can I can imagine, and and I know this from talking to people who work in the healthcare sector. Mm. When they've had a hard day at home and they're dealing with their kids and they go in, and if the, if somebody's going, oh, actually, I'd like the lights on. No, actually, it's hurting my eyes. I'd like them off. That nurse is going to then potentially, and I am using the word potentially, that build up a resentment for that person. Why can't they bloody turn the light off themselves? You know, they're, they're not meant to be, you know, without compassion towards the person the hospital room hmm. but that's what humans do we get annoyed with each other yeah, and if yeah. you could pass that like like steve's saying to the person in the bed you would feel control of your environment that's something that you're disempowered with at the moment because of the fact that you can't do this anything about this bloody thing that's attacking you yeah apart from bow down and give your your time and space to this i think yeah who's going to do whatever I think we're in line with that, with, with my situation with Paul, is that I was helpless. I was completely helpless yeah. with what was going on. So actually a game that I played where I controlled characters yeah. and mm -hmm. controlled what they went through mm -hmm. gave me that control back as well. It, yeah. helped, it helped me gain some sort of sense of independence. Well, that, that for me situation. Is, yeah, that for me is one of the biggest, that's why I use games in therapy, because I'm usually working with people with trauma mm. in a space and place where at one time they were helpless, it was hopeless, they were without agency, autonomy or, or, or any kind of power. Mm. And of course, what the game does is even if you're talking, I don't know, Lego, Star Wars or mm. Nintendo Wii and we're playing Raymond Rabbits or Carnival, <laughs> I, it doesn't really matter what game we're doing, even children can feel a sense of power and that's how mm. you know the big word for it is emancipated but mm. that's mm. how you can feel that you are within your own body and taking control to something that right now steve is is controlling your life because here you are you're not allowed to see people you no. are now following a particular schedule yep. which is very very driven about beating this disease whereas steve the person 
kind of doesn't seem to be involved in it. It's kind That's, of like, no, we need to do this, 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 yeah. this. Steve there's, there's, gets... there's been a lot of focus on physical health during cancer mm -hmm. treatment, making sure that you're physically capable, physically well, and physically able to go through the treatment. But are you mentally prepared? And no. are you meant... No. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone is. And are you mentally able to survive that treatment? Mm. Well, because that's what, another thing. Because, yeah. because end of the day, I, I think having, you've got to be strong in your mind. And this is why I said that I'm a second diagnosis when I relapsed, that I know all you, you lot all care about me and love me and gave me cancer. But the fact is that I still need to do this because this is my extension. This is my control. Yeah. You know, I'm controlling my cancer. I'm controlling my narrative. I'm deciding the outcome. And the outcome is I'm going to beat this and I'm going to start keeping changing the face and standing up for cancer rights and the caregivers and for obviously the LGBTQ plus rights, which I'd like, like Ben to maybe just discuss about mm -hmm. how that is treated uh, in that environment as well. So Ben, over to you, mate. Yeah, so after I Paul passed away, I looked for support. And uh, what I found was that the support that I was available to me wasn't catered towards me or my situation. Um, being early 30s, a gay man whose husband has passed away, there wasn't anything surrounding anywhere that I would feel comfortable going to. Uh -huh. So I looked around for LGBT survive, uh, cancer surviving groups or cancer support groups or something to help me. There wasn't anything. There was nothing out there. The only one I, th I think I found was for prostate cancer, and that was for people who had survived prostate cancer. There wasn't anything out there specifically for the LGBTQ plus community at all. And at the end of the day, cancer does not know sexuality, does not know genders, does not know. It's just no cancer just knows. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. It doesn't discriminate, but nope. people do. And I was very scared about going to any generic um, cancer survivor, cancer support groups because of, A, was my age. Most people who have survived cancer, uh, the majority, Steve, I'm not including you in this, um, are older, have more... Um, the 60-year-olds that want to sit around and do arts and crafts and baking cake. Exactly. And I don't want to talk to a 60-year-old. That's, that's not who I am. And a 60-year-old would not... Not our generation. It's not. It's, it, I want somebody around my generation, around, um, you know, the community person. I was in, um, who was going through the same thing, to then come to me and say, yeah, it's okay. You know, talk to me. Um, but I didn't find anything. I mm. did not find anything at all. The only bit of... I especially with the doctors. Every time I got a sick note, I only spoke to the receptionist. The doctor never called me up asking how I was. And I got three sick notes, three, four sick notes, maybe, I think. And I was never asked how I was by the doctor. Just all I got was to pick up the sick note at the reception and then take it into work. Um, uh, the only person that got back in touch with me was over get hospice to see if I wanted to go for counseling. But the only time that they would do counseling was at the hospice. And I did not want to visit the scene where Paul passed away. No, it's understandable. I, I just, I, I still can't go there now. I'm gonna, I, I've got a console to deliver up to Overgate because they've got a day room, which I will come on to in a minute because the treat, the day room they've got is great. Um, but there's nothing in the patient's area, uh, patient's rooms 
to distract them, which goes back to the situation that we spoke about earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there was no support there at all. And that's what something I want to do with Gaming Gamers Week Cancer is I want to be able to set up a support group for LGBTQ plus people who have gone through what I've gone through and are going through what Steve's gone through or have gone through yeah. and survived to be able to support them without that discrimination or without that. I, I guess it for me, it was um, perceived prejudice that I would get and I don't want to get, I just. And you know, my core belief is that I believe in diversity. Yeah, absolutely. And again, cancer doesn't discriminate. So why should we have groups that do discriminate? Um, and that, that was a conversation we also had, Ben, in terms of, so I'm just thinking about for listeners, viewers, what, what, wherever this, this goes, that yeah. actually this is what we talked about. There's, there's a, whole, a whole group of, a whole cohort, that might be a better word, a whole cohort of people who have also um, undergone transitional um, changes in terms yes. of hormones or sexual uh, organs. And of course, cancer will attack some of the the remnants of the biological things that get yeah. left behind because so, not everything gets gets moved. If that no, makes sense, no, I'm trying no. to be very polite here, which don't, is don't not we, not. So, a, <laughs> <laughs> so it goes scientifically. So if, in the case of trans women, um, there are still body parts left behind, like a prostate. Yes. Um, yes. So a trans woman is still susceptible to prostate cancer. Correct. So you go to a prostate survivors group, you're surrounded by a load of men that have survived prostate. Um, prostate cancer affects relatively more older people than younger people. So older people may be inclined to have certain prejudices. Yes. Uh, so a trans woman going to those support groups for prostate cancer might not be safe environment for them. It might not be a safe environment at all for them. So they wouldn't be inclined to go there. They wouldn't be inclined to seek help from those support groups. And therefore they are left being isolated and feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is where the art of Steve's idea of having that forum is actually that gaming platform, that gaming arena, that gaming space where you don't have to identify who you are. You can go and, and be in a support group, but actually you could have a gaming group that is yeah. specific to particular issues absolutely within games you can create avatars that represent who you are as opposed to represent what you look like um and that i think is as important within your self-identity your your persona as the support that you're going to be given Mm. like it's it's just so important to be able to identify in a certain way and have people respect that identity whereas if you're playing, so if you're playing in an MMO, and you set up a female character, but you actually rep, you actually identify as male, nobody bats an eyelid mm-hmm. on that. But so for think, people listening that don't know what that means, that's where you have a, a massive multiplayer online game. Yep. So you can you can create your characters. There's games out there with loads of different customization options. Yeah. Um, and you can uh, present in certain genders um okay so we just had a little blip there because um steve is in hospital and has to be checked on so we had to pause um i'm going to come back to you ben in terms of you were talking about the avatar and what you can create online but what that actually means for people who may not want to identify as who they are Mm -hmm. or identify as who they are yeah so um 
even without cancer, it's important that people are presenting who they are for their own mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just this this morning we talked about Eddie, Eddie Zard being uh, referred to pronouns she and her. She, she and her, yeah. Which is really yeah. cool. Um, so in the case of somebody who who is gone through cancer treatment, um, obviously their mental health is not going to be great. And we've talked about that at length now. Having being able to create an avatar which represents themselves. So in the case of, um, I don't know, giving themselves and their wings to help them fly and things, just having some way to present who they really are within the gaming space is important for their own mental well-being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When they've gone through the treatment that they've just gone through, any, I think if they went to a support group that they're not very comfortable with, they're going to feel rejected. Um, if they go to a, you know, they go to the doctors and the doctors give them a sick note like they did with me and not even ask how they are, they're going to feel rejected. So actually having a game space with pe- other people around them, like-minded people, yeah, I'm mean, not I going think, to discriminate. Yeah. I think what you're saying, Ben, is quite right because me and Kath, we had a very similar conversation with another support group in Yorkshire, which I'm not going to name, of course. But they were saying that they are missing out on a lot of younger people using the centre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not even aware they're there because primarily it is geared towards the 60, 65-year-old. And what yes. we've got to remember is that <clears throat> Games Beat Cancer is a forward-thinking organisation. We don't think now. We're thinking 10, 20 years down the line, yeah? yeah. Our, God forbid, but our kids get maybe get cancer or whatever. God forbid. But at the end of the day, though, they're not eventually this idea of just sitting in a room and talking about it, it will always it, be there to a degree. But I think the gamification is going to be more important because when you're playing a game with your therapist online, you can talk about what you're playing and what you've been doing, and then you start talking about your problems, and everything starts to unravel much easier, as Kath will tell you, with dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. And what we've got to look at is where this is where the technology is going, and unless organizations start to wake up and start to realize that online has become more important now during COVID more than ever Uh and how it can be utilized and how much of a powerful medium it can be. I think they need to start realizing it. And a lot of organizations, you know, and I know Ben, you know, Mm -hmm. their their eyes are completely open to what we're saying. And I think they're kind of looking as us towards the beating, the beating with, with that light, you know, with the torch, lead this march forward and they're following us behind us because they know that we've seen that future yeah, yeah. And, and to to go with what ben said very quickly in terms of when when it comes to and i'm just thinking about the children that go into hospital with their parents the parents that are sat by their children the parents that are sat by older children you know uh, there's there's the whole plethora of ages here but actually this is this is the connection to that superhero this is that connection to that avatar and I'm not talking about either the film or the uh, the ones that you put on the game that you were just talking to, Ben. I'm talking to that. That um, it, It's kind of like a depth. How do I put this? It's the way that we think about ourselves as we would like to be if we could do anything. So it's that superhero psyche. Well, if I could do anything, yeah, I'd have invisibility. Well, do you know what? Here's a game that lets you bloody do that. Yes. Talk yeah. about that, for example, right? My pump machine, which you can see there, when it's not running, it says pool. And last year, I just came up with a joke, <laughs> Deadpool. And Deadpool's become like my avatar, do you know what I mean? Because, as you know, the story of Deadpool, really with cancer, against yeah. all odds, and came back. 
and completely yeah. bonkers, but <laughs> well, <laughs> it sounds well, about right actually. What about the chimichungas? <laughs> uh, you know what that might be a really good place just for us to to kind of think to, to bring it to a class number one i know you're going to get poked and prodded and stuff like that in a minute because we did talk about oh, I'm not all right. yeah. and uh, <laughs> and of course yeah we i mean at gamers beat cancer we've got those visions we are putting things into place we and, and this is obviously why i was saying at the beginning today that i need to take a break from doing these recordings because this is what I'm going to be involved with in, in 2021 and beyond because, the, and I will just go back to a tiny little point, Steve, actually, those therapists need to be trained properly. So I'm just going to go, this is what I'm doing at the minute is you can't just go wandering into gaming platforms and, you know, get using, using games that may well not be suitable. Um, and I'm not just talking age ratings. I've got, there's a whole heap of stuff, Oh yeah. but this is, this is where the provision of support, can be helpful from diagnosis to prognosis and beyond mm -hmm. and that's kind of hinting at what we're going to be doing um but also this is about that whole process of games are not just about playing it's about managing coping facilitating the whole of this grief process because that's what we're dealing with yep absolutely uh, and, uh, and as you once said i summarized it in one term didn't i Let's have more game on than game over. Love it. And actually, this this podcast is going to have a few um, a few kind of hashtags underneath it, and one of which I'm going to go back to what Ben said earlier, that cancer doesn't discriminate, people do. No. And people can understand this in terms of thinking about COVID right now. That mm -hmm. hasn't discriminated against anybody. You know, where it rocks up, it rocks up, and that's just how it is because that is like cancer. Cancer is a disease, and it does not care who you are. No, and now we're talking what one in two, aren't we? With yeah, right, uh, two very, very infected. soon. Yeah, yeah. It's it's out of the out of what they call the big four killers in terms of my uh, functional health training. That we look at kind of diabetes, we look at Alzheimer's. Actually, cancer is on the rise, and that's due to lots and lots of factors. So there's there's many more places for us to go in terms of educating people, in terms of you know designing games that give oh, loads of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, just, I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> <laughs> hold your water, Kath, hold your water. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you to both of you for this. No, thank you. Oh, thank it, you so it, much. It was amazing. Cool. It's been it's been great. Thank you. Thank you, Kath. Thanks, Kath. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh an audio enthusiast and music producer.